Hello, and welcome to Short Talks from the Hill, a podcast from the University of Arkansas. My name is Delaney Bartlett. On this episode, Jared Phillips, instructor of international studies in the J. William Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences, discusses his upcoming book, Hip Billies, Deep Revolution in the Arkansas Ozarks, published by the University of Arkansas Press. Welcome, Jared. Who were the Hip Billies and why the Ozarks? Yeah, two good questions. Um, maybe, so the Hip Billies, hip billies are, are back to the landers, um, and so they're a subset of the broader counterculture from the 60s. Um, and mid, early to mid-70s. Um, and by and large, they are pretty well-educated. Um, they tend to be coming from urban areas, and they, go to the, they just go to the country. Any, across, the, across the United States, they go to the rural spaces. Um, and, a, and, a, and a part of that is because they, um, they want to get just away from the chaos of urban life. And then a part of it is because they never gave up on the ideals of the countercultural revolution, like right to change the political system and the economic system and get out of Vietnam and whatever. But they became disillusioned with the methods that they had been using in the 60s. The protests weren't working, basically. And so they're like, we need to refigure how we do this. How do we approach the revolution? And so they go back to the land. The second part of that, though, why the Ozarks? Um, that's a good question because there's not a straight answer for it, I think. Um, and, and I'm a little biased because I'm a native Ozarker, but I think it's because it's better than everywhere else. Um, but that's not necessarily true, I guess. Um, but um, for some, it, it's proximity. They're just closer to it. It's easier to get here than it is to California if you're in Austin or Chicago or whatever. Some of it is, comparatively speaking, the land here was really cheap. Um, and, and so that was enticing. You got a bunch of you know, broke college kids just like we had today that want to go buy a farm. They, they need the cheapest farm possible. And because Ozark land was always isolated, was always relatively poor agriculturally, it was cheap. Um, and then there was a lot of it for sale at the same time because, because of a whole lot of demographic reasons in the Ozarks and Arkansas. Um, we had a, we'd had a massive outmigration, so there was a lot of land for sale. And, there was a, and so you could get it cheap to them, not cheap for the Ozarkers. And then the Ozarks had been, like, had been um, uh, a, a wonderful scholar, Brooks Blevins, has done a lot of work to talk about this, but the Ozarks had been uh, created in the national consciousness as like a, um, um, like a better-off Appalachia, if you will, like, like where Appalachia was destitute and just totally po- like poverty-stricken um, and, ne- and in need of redemption. The Ozarks had, were, were built as this like hillbilly heaven, if you will, like where the the, the skills of yore had been maintained, and they wanted to learn that. They wanted to live that agrarian sort of life, and they, they a lot of the ones that come here, it's like, well, that's, this is where we can go to do that. It's all these things, and there's, I talk about it in the book, like, but I list out all these different reasons for it, and no one, I think, really takes precedence over, over another because it shifts on who you're talking to. And, um, but I think some of it really does come back to the ideal of the Ozarks, who we are as a region, what we are as a region, seems to be an undercurrent in all of their conversation. Well, so what drew you to this topic of writing about these back-to-the-lander hippies? Do you have some connection with that? Yeah, so, you know, so I grew up here, um, and, uh, and I've you know, been hearing stories off and on my whole life about these country hippies and field hippies or whatever you call them. Um, and they were, they, all they did was they showed up, they would stay out for a couple of, couple of months or a year, they'd run around naked or high, and once the chiggers came out or once the water and moccasins came out, they'd get scared off and run back to the city. Because I grew up here, I, I, I knew some of their kids, and I knew some of the other ones, and so I knew that at least a part of that story wasn't true. 
Um, and then, then um, as I got older, um, my wife and I, we, when we were still living in Fayetteville, we had some, a bunch of our neighbors were back members of the Back to Land community, and then our landlord was a member of the Back to Land community. And I got to thinking, like, well, the, the, all these awful stories I've heard about these people growing, growing up, have, are, they're just not true. These are wonderful people. And so I got annoyed and decided I was going to, you know, write something and, and write an article, and then it turned into a book. And, and yeah. Well, so, I mean, you did mention that the storyline goes that as soon as times got hard, that they, you know, ran away. Yeah. But, I mean, there had to have been some real challenges. What were some of the challenges that these hipbillies faced? Yeah. And how did they overcome them if they did? So one of the very first challenges that, they, that, that a lot of them, not all of them, but most of them had to face is they don't know anything. Um, they know how to live in a suburban world, but they don't know how to live in a rural world, much less an Ozark, like hard scrabble kind of world. Um, and so they have to learn really quickly how they're going to do everything from build a house to plant a not 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 much not even like a cash crop farm but just a garden um, to how do you deal how do you castrate cattle how do you shear a sheep if you're going to you know all these different things and so those those nuts and bolts of of a of, of an agricultural lifestyle that if you're a multi-generation farm family they're passed on and you are sort of enculturated in them from the moment you can walk um, you know, how to close the gate, how to build it, which side of the fence post does the wire go on, you know, things like that. Um, you just pick up as you go. They have to learn all that stuff on the fly in a really short, you know, one, two, three years down the, you know, in, in, uh, of time. Um, and so a lot of them, um, that's, the, that's the immediate challenge. Now, the, the cool thing about them is that they, be, because they walk into the Ozarks at a really unique moment, they're able to do, take advantage of a couple of resources to help with that. One, um, they're, this is the 60s and 70s, and so this is the era of, of Mother Earth News. This is the era of, of the Whole Earth Catalog um, and, and a whole bunch of other publications, national and local, that I talk about in the book that are trying to help answer some of these, like the book side of the questions, like when do you plant, how do you deal with fertilizer, what's a soil test, like all that kind of stuff. So old school hill farmers, while they don't necessarily understand or approve of the lifestyle of these back claims, they don't approve of the drug use, they don't understand why you try to operate a tractor naked or anything like that, all valid concerns. Um, if you're living in the backcountry, um, they see a group of people that want to learn skills from them that nobody else wants to learn. How do you milk a cow by hand? How do you build a fence? How do you do things without mechanizing to an absurdly large degree? So there's this local knowledge that the back to land community wants. And so they get this help from the books, they get this help from the magazines, and they get this help from the local community. What about um, there was some sort of conflict? Yeah. You want to talk about that a little bit? So the conflict, the stories of conflict are way overblown. Um, you know, like when you read articles in the Democrat Gazette or whatever that kind of like trot out hippies every now and then as, a, as like a relic, a zoo relic of the past, um, then there's always this like conversation about a mythic, like, you know, they were always at odds and everybody, every other hippie was burnt out by, you know, like these like backwoods, you know, like Ozarkers or whatever. That happens, but it's so, it's so very much um, almost tangential to the rest of that, how that community operates. And again, you gotta remember the, the, um, the conflict is not usually between Ozark farmers that live on the same dirt road as much as it is between the people that are moving into the retirement communities outside of Mountain Home or outside of Eureka Springs or whatever. But by and large, um, it'll be a conflict's born of early misunderstanding that then turns into kind of bemusement, like, and, and, a, and a level of, of um, what well, kind of traditional Ozark respect, you do your thing, I'm gonna do my thing, like we'll work together when we need to, but we don't have to approve of each other. 
right. to live in a rural community, to live in a rural space. We can find a way to have that balance. And that's, that's what we see really right. emerging for the most part. So this was the height of this hipbilly phenomenon was, what, about 40 years ago? Yeah. Um, so are, are there any parts of this deep revolution that maybe we're still uh, seeing now or that we might see now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you go to Walmart and buy organic food, then there you go. What I try to do in the book is to kind of remind readers that the back to land community of Ozarks was not insulated. They were not isolated. They were a part of a national and international conversation. They don't just stay here in the Ozarks. Um, and, and so what, that, what, we, what we know then is that the back to land community writ large, not just here, but writ large has got an impact on um, how consumers think about food, how consumers think about the sourcing of products, the type of materials that your products are made out of. I mean, we wouldn't have ONF, you know, Ozark Natural Foods without them. We wouldn't have a sustained farmer's market without them. So you've got organic food, you've got alternative practices for medicine and spirituality. Things like midwifery have come back, you know, into you know, they're legal again in the state. And they weren't legal when the back to land community came here. And that's a common story across the country. So you see these small cultural things across the way. You wouldn't have seen the success of somebody like Bernie Sanders, I think, on the national stage, had you not had that 30, 40 years of incubation of these ideals of community, of agrarianism, of class, of um, caring about your community, you know, as a root place of identity. I appreciate you coming yeah. in to talk with me. No problem. <laughs> Easy. Thanks so much. Yeah. Music for Short Talks from the Hill was written and performed by Ben Harris, guitar instructor at the University of Arkansas. For more information and additional podcasts, go to KUAF.com or researchfrontiers.ur.edu, the home of research news at the University of Arkansas.